bet you are appreciative of it. You heard that cut. Coach Sala appreciates it. You would. Th- <laughs> I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Un- yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, Rodgers went out of his way on Pat McAfee to say you're a, a an excellent head coach. I think that was the exact verbiage. I think it was excellent. Or wonderful or something. It was a, 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 a very positive superlative right in front of the... Yeah, see if you can find that cut. I want to get the exact wording. It was from uh, Rogers with McAfee on Tuesday. I don't... I, I can't imagine... <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I appreciate it. Like it's just like like it's like it's not what it was, which is a possible job saving comment. That is not just, you know, Greg Giannotti saying, I think Salah's getting a bad rap here. I think he's a pretty good coach. That you appreciate. That's nice, Greg. That's not Chris McMonagle just saying, you know what, I don't think he deserves to be fired. I, I appreciate that, Chris. That's very nice of you to say that. This is Aaron Rodgers telling ownership or anybody who's interested that Salah's going nowhere. Listen to the cut again. This is uh, Rogers talking with McAfee on Tuesday about whether or not he has faith in the Jets uh, front office, head coach and offensive coordinator. I believe in Joe Douglas. I think he's put together uh, a lot of great drafts and uh, a great roster. We obviously had a number of difficult injuries this season. I believe in Robert Sala. He's a fantastic coach. I think he's about the right stuff. Fantastic. He's about the right stuff. He's got the right stuff, baby. And then I know he, but we don't have to hear the Hackett one. No, he, I, he loves Hackett. We know that. But Robert Sala has been standing up at that podium week after week, loss after loss, inexplicable defending of the quarterback play after inexplicable defending of the quarterback play. Just embarrassing. Getting absolutely embarrassed. He's got Joe Beningo reading his text messages. He's got to answer that question. He has had a whirlwind of a season. An absolute whirlwind of a season. I mean, what goes through his mind while he's running the stairs before every game? I have no idea. Because he knows, for the most part, what's about to happen. He can tell you he believes, but he knew. He knew. I think someone from up on high is forcing the quarterback on him. I think it's been a miserable, gut-wrenching disaster of a season for Robert Sala. It cannot. It could not have gone worse. The minute Rodgers went down in a pile, his entire career flashed before his face. Because he knew what was next. He knew. He knew. And every week he stood there and got killed by the media and answered and watched his team get beat by bad quarterback play, by, by 20 points, been killed by Miami most recently. Just, just an absolute disastrous season. A couple of high marks. Right, beating, finishing that game and beating Buffalo with a walk-off punt return, high mark. He might have felt fairly good after that, but he knew he lost Rodgers, which was the whole damn team. They were, you should remember them in Hard Knocks walking around. Hey, oh, what a throw! He's amazing. Oh, that all went away, and he had the most miserable, gut-wrenching, terrible, answering a million questions, horrible season. 
and he figured there's a good chance with the losing they've done and the losing he's done in his career and the record that is attached to his name that he might have lost his damn job this year. Whatever assurances he was given by whoever was up on high telling him to play the quarterback, and again, that's speculation, but I think we all kind of believe that, that, that Robert Sala was forced to play Zach Wilson. So whatever assurances or promises were made to stand up there and defend playing Zach Wilson, at some point he knows losing these football games and getting a story like the Beningo story and everything else that comes with it and losing for three years and losing two out of every three games you play, it catches up to you. And so after that Miami game where they get absolutely embarrassed and his defense gets embarrassed, and his defensive schemes come into question, not only by the media, but by his own players. As you watch DJ Reed get beat, and then you see the clip of McDaniels on the sideline of the Dolphin game predicting the touchdown. Like, he had he had Salah's defense so red, he knew he had a one-play touchdown. He knew it. After all that, who knows what your job is going to be? And then that beautiful man, that beautiful man, Aaron Rodgers, goes on Pat McAfee and calls you a fantastic head coach who's about all the right stuff. And I'm assuming he doesn't mean the movie, although that's all the right moves. And I realized that halfway through saying But his whole life, and who knows if he gets another head coaching job? Who knows? After this debacle, he might not. We've seen jet coaches immediately get hired, right? Mangini gets immediately hired. Rex Ryan gets immediately hired. Even Todd Bowles has figured out his way to get back into the head coach. And let's be honest about Ted Bowles for a second. If, if the Bucks win that division with Baker Mayfield, and that defense and that team that was projected to be one of the worst in the NFL, if he figures out a way to win that division and plays a home playoff game, I don't think he'll win the award, but he's in the he's in the conversation for Coach of the Year, is he not? Amazingly enough, he's got to be. There was zero expectations for that team. Zero. And if they win that division, which they're tied for right now, He's in the mix. But so we've seen Jet head coaches, failed Jet head coaches. I don't think Gase will ever get another job. But those coaches have had had some success. Rex Ryan went to two straight AFC championship games. Todd Bowles did have a winning season, although he came up short in Buffalo from making the playoffs. Man Genius did make the postseason his first year and had an 8-3 team before Brett Favre's arm fell off. And he still decided to play quarterback with it. But this man was this close, this close to not only not being the head coach of the Jets anymore, but never being a head coach in the NFL ever again. And then Pat McAfee introduced Aaron Rodgers and asked him a question about him. And he told everyone. He told the Jets organization. He told you. He told me. He told everybody, including Robert Sala, which I'm sure Robert Sala had an inkling, but when he did it publicly, you're talking about a job-saving comment. So, yeah, I'm sure he appreciates it. And that's why I'm sure Joe Douglas appreciates it. 
And so for me, I know I had a call there talking about what the Giants are going to do in the draft. I'll tell you what the Jets are not going to do in the draft. The Jets are not drafting a quarterback. I don't care where they are. I don't care top. I don't care if they're in the top three or four. I don't care. And in fact, as a Giant fan, I hope they figure that out. I hope they lose to the lousy Washington Commanders. Because I don't think they're a threat to take a quarterback because you cannot tell this guy that you're not going to take that pick and use it on a piece that will help him next year. You can't do that. He just saved the GM. He just saved the – like, he's going to he's gonna ride in on a horse and save the franchise, and then they're going to tell him, yeah, we're going to draft your replacement. It's never going to happen. The Jets are locked into the plan, baby. Locked in. And if that means, you know, Nick Bowden be damned, that's what it means. If it means practicing this year because that's what Rodgers wants to do, that's what it's going to be. And the idea that that's some sort of awful thing to to ask to be added to the 53-man roster because it's not taking into the uh, the account of the little people, like, I, I think it's absolute nonsense. Nick Bowden will get his money. But the 53-man roster belongs to the leader of the franchise. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you on the fan. Obviously, the Giants will take on Philadelphia. And will the DeVito story continue? Obviously, there's been a lot about him. He, He added another agency to help him deal with pizzerias because he had, as we told you that night, Rami was very excited to break that story. We're talking about that story. We talked about it. He, he uh, His agent uh, spurned the uh, p- local pizzeria. They agreed to 10000 Then he wanted 20000 But in really smart maneuvering, DeVito shows up and goes to the pizzeria and does it for free. And apparently I heard that they got like a $100,000 worth of free advertising from the whole thing. They had TV. They had local TV shows show up and different things. So they got a good deal out of it, and he didn't take any money, which was smart because the last thing he needs right now as he's going to take on Philadelphia, who is a flawed football team and not nearly as good as we thought. And for him in particular, this defensive backfield is one you can try and go attack if you can actually get enough time to throw the football and enough time to get Hyatt and some of your wide receivers down the field. But I actually think that there's a chance DeVito plays well in this game. I don't think there's a chance they win the football game because as as deficient as that defensive backfield may be, as as poorly as Hurts has played, as maybe banged up as he may be, making bad decisions, throwing into double coverage of timeouts and 30 seconds left, and all that happened and the ramifications of losing that Seattle game as well as the two before it, and are now looking at three-game losing streak right in the face, heading in to play the Giants on Christmas Day, in Philadelphia, they are going to be pissed off. And they know, right? Heading into this, this is the other thing about the Eagles. They knew. Not not saying they wanted to lose these games, not saying they wanted to play poorly against Seattle and lose to a backup quarterback and a fun story. But they knew they had the fallback of the Giants twice and sandwiched in the middle the Cardinals. They knew they had those three games at the end of the schedule. And after Buffalo beat Dallas, all they have to do is win those three games and they will be, the for the first time in forever, defending 
a NFC East champions, which we haven't seen in forever. But I think there's a chance DeVito plays well. And that will be the question. Like, will the story pick back up? I don't I, I can't imagine it. I th- I'm done with DeVito as a legitimate chance to be the starting quarterback of the New York Giants. I don't see it. I don't see it. But if he plays well and wins this game, he's done something that quarterbacks typically haven't done. I know I think Daniel Jones beat him once in 2021. But anytime Philadelphia has been any kind of good at all, the Giants cannot beat them. It's been going back forever. It's going back to Kerry Collins' days. Like, that's how long it's been. Even Eli did not beat Philadelphia on the reg. So if he steps in, goes into that building on Christmas Day and ruins their chances, that'll be one of the great, one of the great moments of recent giant memory. As sad and pathetic as that is. And then that does that re does that reignite the Tommy Cutlets? Hey. He recognized the problem with that pizzeria. He stepped in. He's a good-hearted dude. He's a good guy. And now look what he did. He beat Philadelphia. Tommy Cullen's all the way. He's going to be He's better than Daniel Jones. He's better than When's the last time Daniel Jones beat Philadelphia? And we'll be right back on the wagon. Not me. Not me, though. Eddie and Rockland, what's up, Eddie? Hey, what's going on, Mac? What's up, buddy? All right. Now, let's let's try to fix these jets. First all right, me and all, you right now. Put on a pot of yeah, coffee. Let's, let's do it. All right, let's fix first. If I was a Jet fan, okay, you you know the you know the the, the lease is up on MetLife, right? First of all, I would wouldn't go to any more games until Woody made the deal with somebody for a new stadium. I don't know why. If if Cohen's making the uh, the Casino Royale over there in Queens, right. why can't he cut a little spot out for uh, for Jet Stadium and do a little deal with with uh, with uh, what's his name with the uh, Woody and Christopher and get get a get a builder in there and do a three way deal with the state or something. Uh, that get a, get another thing. get another get a football stadium in there too and and have the Jets and Mets play in the same little area. Right, have yeah. the Jets and Mets play a whole area because until they do that, they're always going to be talked about and be kicked in the ribs and stuff like that. But let's talk about the draft. Here we go again. They got to win now. So, are you picking something for for Rogers to play with, or are you or are you uh, getting yourself ready for next, uh, a future quarterback with a trade down and some extra picks? What are you doing with the draft? I'm, this I'm year? taking the best player available that helps Aaron Rodgers. That's and what, what I'm doing. And, and what position is that? Off, it doesn't. I, the best player available. It could be wide receiver. It could be pass catching tight end. It can be offensive lineman. I mean, uh-huh. if it's if uh, uh, you know if it's Marvin Harrison, that's where I would go. It's, so you're not uh, you're not doing any trading up or down quarterback. If you're around the fifth pick, you're no. staying right there and you're taking whatever the best player available is. Correct. Because there's there's players there that are warranted. Uh, it depends. It depends if if quarterbacks fall for whatever reason, or if the Jets are so high, where you know Drake May is a possibility, and for whatever reason, the the Bears say, for example, don't take a quarterback in the first pick, which I would find impossible. Even if they don't take a pick, they'll trade it. But whatever the case may be, say say they they finish somehow and picking third or fourth, and come draft day, May falls down to them then I could see them trading out to someone who will give an enormous package to come up and draft the quarterback. But besides that, if those two quarterbacks are off the board, 
and you're looking at and maybe even you know uh, Daniels as well off the board. And I don't have a partner who's willing to come in and desperate to get a quarterback. No, I'll take the the tackle out of Penn State. I'll take um, you know the the tackle out of Notre Dame. Alt. I'll I'll take um, who's the who's the 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 tight end uh, Bowers. I think he's he's projected to go a little bit further down than that. That but still, I would take a player that I know will impact the offense. So you're telling me if Drake May falls to the Jets, yes. You would trade it away and 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 uh, try to uh, build with more draft capital. Yes, because I don't think they're drafting a quarterback. Oh, not with really? Not with Rodgers for the next couple of years. I just don't think they'll do that. Well, I think they better position themselves to get a quarterback. If it's not to move up this year, it's to drop down and get some extra picks for the following year so they can get ready for the Rodgers departure. Don't you think? When Roger departs, that they should have sitting on like two two number one draft picks when this time when it happens. Yeah, I mean, so it's either make a move this year, next year, or the following year. They have to do something. Yeah, I mean, listen, you do what you have to do. If you have to get, um, you know, after Rogers, if you have a draft pick that's suitable, or you have ways to get to the top of the draft, or you draft a quarterback later in the first round or second round, or you pick up a. Uh, a journeyman quarterback and go attack it that way until you have an opportunity to get a quarterback. You do it. It doesn't matter. Um, we've had this conversation already, Eddie. I am not. I'm not focused on the future. I'm focused on winning a championship in the next two years. That is where all of my effort is going. That's where all of my thought processes are going. I'm trying to figure out a way to make the next two years as good as humanly possible, and I will forego thinking about years three, four, and five. Uh, they're not. Right. On, they're not on my mind. So that puts them ten years. That puts them ten years in the hole, right? Not necessarily. I don't know why. Mac, did you hear? Did you hear the morning show where they rated the intelligence? I want to know where you chime in on that. <laughs> I heard. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't. Thankfully, I wasn't involved in it because the the way the morning show treats me, I'm sure I would have been way down the list. Um. No, I I I heard that uh, briefly that they were ranking uh, the intelligence of the major host at the station, the afternoon drive team. The middays and the mornings, I believe. And I, I, the only thing I heard, and this is the honest to God truth, the only thing I heard was them putting Flegelman on the spot and him really not wanting to answer. That's the only bit I heard. I was bouncing around this morning. I'm with the kids in the car. I'm with the kids outside the bus stop. I'm running around with them. They want to jump out of the car. So I heard a little bit, and it was mainly Flegelman being put on the spot to say who's the smartest, and then Al quickly gave an answer. And Marash was at the bottom, and... I don't know. Someone was at the top. I, I think for Flegelman, BT was at the top. That's all he would be willing to say. I don't think I was involved in it because I, I, I don't remember my name being bandied about. I think they were just talking about the major day parts. You know, who am I? I'm the little local hot stove host from 4 to 5. That's it. Yankee hot stove. That's it. Which is BS. I'm sorry. I'm going to push back. I have fun with it. I mentioned it a lot. I'm not the kind of guy who's going to get upset and go tell Gio he shouldn't say those things that makes me look bad. Or I don't care. I'll have fun with it. I do like to talk Yankees. I would never argue it. I do the podcast with Keith. They're my number one team. Love the New York Yankees. And I, when I first started the show, when I first started the show in July, the Mets were already done, and they traded at the deadline, and the Yankees were trying to figure out, and the Yankees were having – 
and I hate to say this, and you want to say for all you Met fans out there who think I am the host of the Yankee uh, Yankee Hot Stove Show and think I disrespect the Mets because that's just the nature of the beast. Um, this is not trying to be condescending, but it was just another Met losing season, a disappointing one. But you made trades. That was a storyline for a bit. The Yankees, when I first started, were having and were in the midst of the worst season in 30 years. Like, I take over. I'm a Yankee guy. I do the Yankee podcast with Keith, and I take over the overnights just as the Yankees are in the middle of the worst season in 30 years. So I felt, honestly, not just as a Yankee fan, but I felt that for the end of July through August and September, the Yankees were the bigger story. They were having their worst season in the history of my life. Like, I I just turned 40. I don't remember. My first year as being a fan is 93. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Since I first started to follow the Yankees, they've never had a worse season. It's 30 years. They were falling apart. I thought that was the more interesting story, so I might have been Yankee heavy, a Yankee heavy when I first started. But since the football season started, now I, j- I just think my reputation precedes me. And I think I'm being unle- unfairly treated. Unfairly treated. Yamamoto's a big story. I've, t- I've talked it evenly with Mets and Yankees. I've completely talked it evenly. I think the Mets need it more than the Yankees, quite honestly. I think the Nets need Yamamoto more. 877-337-6666. Continue to take your phone calls on Yankee baseball, of course. On Mets and what they did in the trade that they made for Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor. And what he's and what uh, Hauser's famous for. He's famous for throwing up on the mound. <laughs> but it's a good little pickup. And that's what they've done. And that's why I think the net the Mets need this Yamamoto deal more because these are the moves they're talking about. I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna pivot into the trade market. They've done everything to keep their prospects. They're not gonna trade for for one of these pitchers for a one year rental. I don't think that's I don't think that's in their DNA right now. I don't think they want to trade away prospects for one year of a starting pitcher in a year where they're they've sort of taken the step back a little bit. I don't think that's their move. Maybe Snell, maybe Montgomery, but I think it's more th- more moves like Hauser. I think it's more moves of lesser guys. They're willing to pay for one guy. They need to go get him. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. We'll come back, continue to take your phone calls on the fan. All right, 877-337-6666. 66. Let's get right back to the calls. We've talked a lot about the Rodgers and the Jets situation, and I don't believe they will draft a quarterback. And unfortunately, I know the story is still Aaron Rodgers and whether he's taken up a 53-man roster spot and what that means uh, for Nick Bowden and, and you know, the Jets and whether or not he, it's important to have him around. That's That's a fun little story that we can take up time with on a Thursday, but ultimately it's about how the Jets go about building this team for next year, and I believe they're all in. And I believe Aaron Rodgers told you so. I don't think there will be any changes, and they are all in on making next year's team and the year after 
the best they could possibly be to chase a championship. That's what it's about. It's about ending this ridiculous playoff streak, and it's about winning a championship. And honestly, after that, be damned. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. It's not like you trust them to do a good job building for the future anyway. You might as well try something new and put everything into one season and see how that goes for you. Drafting quarterbacks have been a disaster. So why don't you go out there and try and fit, go do what Douglas does best, make trades. Go trade for Devontae Adams and draft uh, an offensive tackle, draft a couple, go pick up an uh, offensive lineman. Right, there's a couple out there. The uh, interior lineman in Miami. I, I just saw a story on him. He might become available. He's having a great year. They move, had to move him inside from tackle, uh, but he's been he's been excellent and he's going to be available in free agency. Go out and pay buy a couple of offensive linemen, draft a couple in the draft. Hopefully, you fix the offensive line. You go trade for another wide receiver and you put another good wide receiver with Wilson. You figure out that line so you can have a run game with Brees Hall. And you know the defense is good enough. And you know you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Go make it happen. I'm not worried about three, four years from now. Bill in Hudson Valley. What's up, Bill? Hey, what's up, C-Mac? How's it going? Buddy? Good, buddy. How are you? Good. I got a couple comments. First, what, what makes everybody think that the Raiders are going to be in a hurry to trade Devontae Adams? Uh, yeah, no, I don't. That's fun. That's fair. I don't know if they'll be in a hurry to do it. That is absolutely fair. He's a great wide receiver. So there's no there's no guarantee the Raiders are open to it. But if 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 it's the NFL, unfortunately, and it's the way of professional sports almost in this current environment, if he yeah, makes if he enough. if he makes it clear he doesn't want to be there, I would think eventually he gets moved. It's just the nature of the way it's gone. Certainly in the yeah, NBA think- and even in the NFL. Right, but it just seems like people are already penciling in like it's a, right. it's a done deal. No, that's fair. Man. That's absolutely fair. He's a he's too good a talent to just assume anybody would be willing to get rid of him. Right, right, fair enough. Yeah. Another question is, brother, what would you turn 40 last week? I turned 40 on the 19th. I turned 40 on Tuesday. i got to be honest, bro. I felt like you were referencing your birthday a little too much, bro. Oh, so absolutely. It was, almost, it, was a, it was a little embarrassing. You sounded like you were like turning 12 or something. Yeah. I didn't get it. <laughs> well, listen, to be, to be fair... Yeah. Uh, I I only I said it like one or two times. Every caller kept saying happy birthday. I did not ask for that. I did not in- require that. A lot of guys, people were saying it. It is a landmark birthday, and I think the afternoon drive wow. show, the afternoon drive show, did something about how many different birthdays are around December. Hackett's birthday was yeah, it was my yeah, birthday. Yeah. Like a, it came up. I just so felt the, like, the, like the morning just a little too excited to bro. 40 yeah, year old, bro. I, I, I mean, listen, what do you want me to I tell you? I was excited to turn 40. All right, what do you want me to tell you? And I really <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I asked for it, but people said happy birthday. What am I going to say? Shut up. Fair Stop enough, saying happy birthday enough. because Bill I thinks know. it's a bit much. <laughs> yeah, I just felt like you killed with that horse there. But the last thing is, what is your big fascination with the Beatles, bro? Because it's a band I can't stand. Well, I, just don't I wasn't. Sh- I wasn't. I wasn't sure about you, Bill. But now I'm positive you're an idiot. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are you talking about? You, you can't stand Bro, the Beatles. I, I just, I, literally, I may have heard two or three Beatles songs in my life that I could even tolerate. Oh, you're just, they're just so outdated. And oh so my god! Old. Like you sound like you like a, a band for like a sixty or seventy year old. Bro, you just turn oh, forty. You're, you're lost. That's your, that's are, your style of music. They are class. Yeah, they're my favorite band. They're not my nah, only. Bro, they're not my only. If you pull a thousand forty-year-olds, I bet you're not ten. Put them no, in your favorite. I, 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 well, I mean, I understand. I don't think I, I maybe ten wouldn't call them their favorite. That's for sure. I don't think as many would be on your side that they're unlistenable. 
They're the Beatles. They're a classic. They are going to be talked about for the next hundred years. Generation after generation will discover the Beatles. You can't be a musician and not pick up, you know, the Beatles songbook and start there. Ask Dave Grohl. Ask some of these guys what their influences are. The Beatles are as important as any band in history, as any musical act in history. Lennon and McCartney are the greatest songwriting team in history. So I, I don't know what to tell you. They're two songs. They're, they're, every one of their songs are incredible. They, they, they hardly had a dud. And, and they made joke songs for cartoon movies. And those songs are good. Go listen to Hey Bulldog. It's a BS song they made up on the spot. It's tremendous. They're inc- they are the best rock band of all time. It's not close. And they're the most influential. And yeah, I, my father got me into them. I love them. They're not my only favorite band. I just We just played a Green Day song coming in. I knew the words to that. I, I, Dookie changed my life in 1994. I, was, I, I love Dookie. Great song, too. Yeah. Oh, I I was listening. I was just listening. Another album I can't put down. I was listening to it on the car ride in is The Score by the Fugees. That's one of the great albums of all time. I listen to it endlessly. I love the Fugees. I'm a huge Eminem guy. Eminem comes out with a new album. It doesn't leave playing in my car until I learn all the lyrics. Like, I, I, I have passion. Like, I'm passionate about the things I like. I went, I've, I've been to see Mumford and Son. I think they're one of the best current musicians. Uh, going every time they come out with an album, that's a big deal for me. I'm all over the place. I'm eclectic. I like a lot of different things, but it starts and ends with the Beatles. They are the best. Sergeant Pep, uh, Sergeant Pepper is great. The White Album is great. Abbey Road is the best piece of music ever put down and recorded. That's what I think. I think Abbey Road is the greatest album ever made, and I think the second half of that album is miraculous and stupendous and game-changing and life-changing. That's what I think. Now, you don't have to think that, but don't tell me there that there's two songs you can tolerate. Get the hell out of here. Two songs you can tolerate? I wonder what the two are. I should have asked him. The two Beatles songs you can tolerate. Get out of here, you moron. And I don't call people morons easily, but you're knocking me for my birthday, and then you just just wanted to call up and and knock McMonagle, and that's fine. But don't do it under the guise of jet talk and then sneak it in. Just call up and say, you know what? I got a problem with you, Chris. Be more straightforward about it. And then then tell me my birthday stuff. And and again, hold on, hold on, hold on, Stu. People called up and said happy birthday. Honestly, I mentioned it once or twice. And then I joked about... uh, because I found out on the afternoon drive show that Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett, had my birthday. So I joked about it a little bit in the open. I never went out of the way to say, hey, everyone, call me and say happy birthday. I did bust the, I, uh, to be fair, I did text uh, the afternoon drive show. This is 100% true. I don't know. I guess they mentioned my birthday early. They did a thing on birthdays. I don't know, birth, December birthdays. And they were trying to figure out what month that would mean that all these people are doing it to get, have babies in December, and what would be the occasion that so many people are con- conceiving babies in that time period because they have a lot of December birthdays. I don't know. I guess uh, BT's wife is born right around this time. Um, it's my birthday. Nathaniel Hackett. It's Rogers. Rogers, one of, their ki- uh, one of Tiki's kids' birthdays or something. I don't know. So there was a lot of December birthdays they were talking about. It. And I guess my name came up. But then, this is the honest to God truth, I was watching with my kids. And my kids were hung up on the idea that I was 40. 
My wife was making a big deal out of it. We were, you know, I'm old, all this. So, like, my kids got in this birthday that I was 40. It was a big deal. I went to go pick up my kid at school, and my and his teacher was like, happy birthday. I'm like, oh, he's talking about my birthday? Oh, we had to put it up on the board. I'm like, oh, that's nice. So my kids were into it, and I put on. They were in the living room. They were watching wrestling or doing whatever, and I said, sorry, guys. I, I want to watch Tiki and Evan. So I put on SMY. We're watching the show there, and they literally start talking about birthdays. And they said, now – we're going to take a call here on you know, conceiving and pregnancies. And if you don't know, this is why we're having the conversation. And they started going through all the birthdays in December. And in that segment, they left my name out. And my kids were pissed. Like, why would Evan not say? My son Tommy was like, I thought you and Evan were friends. I'm like, I, I kind of, yes, I am friends with Evan. He said, well, why would he say it's your birthday? Like I, so I texted them and said, my kids are all pissed at you. You forgot my birthday. And then I guess maybe they said it later. That is the only time I really pushed my birthday. But if people call up and say happy birthday, we're a family here in the overnight. If you want to call up and say it's your birthday, I'll wish you happy birthday. Stuart in Brooklyn, I'm sorry. Now you can speak. What's up, bud? Oh, Chris. Okay, so I'll, get him a, I'll get him a reservation for Dolphy. I'll check him in tomorrow for you. Yeah, the, the Beatles talk. I know. I listen. Oh, yeah, he, he, he has the nerve to say what he said. <laughs> About the Beatles, my favorite band ever. I know. Well, you, you, I still, you're not helping me because our age difference is probably his argument. So. Yeah, but you want to know something, Chris? Yes. Doesn't matter. My my mother loved the Beatles. We first heard them. How, 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 about, how about your daughter? Or how about your, you know, your I'm niece not, or something? I have no kids. I'm not married. Okay. Okay, I'm divorced. Okay. Chris, Sorry. we've listened for the first time to the Beatles on December 31st of 1963. Yes. And I said to my mother, I was 11 and something years old, I said, this is not a fad, F-A-D. Right. And here we are 60 years later. Yep. And on the video, Paul McCartney said, in 2023, we're still working on Beatles music. Yep. I said, Paul McCartney, I saw you, I this is a true story. On August 26th of 2009, me and my sister went to the Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And I was sitting in the Legends area in first base. We mm -hmm. had access to this Legends Suite restaurant. My sister That's said, fun. turn around. I turned around. Standing eight feet away from me was Sir Paul McCartney. Wow. Where my jaw dropped through the floor. Oh, yeah, I don't and know. That would, That's the one person, if I ever met, I don't even know what I would do. I... Chris, my sister said, sis, don't leave your seat. She said, he's here to have a good time. I didn't leave my seat. I wanted to say two words to Paul McCartney. You know what the two words were? Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I mean, Chris, I, I, hear grew, you. I grew up with them. I understand. I, and, I, and, and I so did I because my father did, and he forced it on me. But well, can but, we, we could talk some baseball, though. All right, Chris, let's say this much. Are we getting Yamasoto? Yamasoto, I believe it. I do believe it, and and Stu, I'm, I'm with you, Stu. I think we're going to get him. I think Yamasoto is going to be the winter of Yamasoto. I can't wait. Um, the question is now whether he's worth it. Like, that seems to be the longer we have and the more the money seems to go up, even though there was a report by Jeff Passan just a few days ago that it was incorrect to assume that $300 million has been offered. Like, that was, the report was it's not true. That $300 million is on the table. That big-time offers have not come in yet. Just preliminary talks. Doesn't mean we're not going to 300, and it seems like we are. 
But this thing has taken so long, and now we've we've speculated for so long that now we're finally getting to the point of, is it worth it? We haven't questioned if it's worth it this entire time. Nobody. It's been, who's going to go get him? Who's going to go get him? Can you go get him? Is it going to be the Mets? Is it going to be the Yankees? The first time, Yankees and Mets battling it out, trying to go for a free agent. Never happened before in the history of the franchises. And especially now, it's Steve Cohen. What does it mean for the teams? What does it mean for the city? What does it mean for the future of the fan base? Who controls the city of New York? Mets, Yankees, Yamamoto. It means everything. That was the talk for endless, endless weeks. But now that we're tired of it and we're, we're waiting from the freaking sign, now the talk is, well, you know what? After all this crap, is it even worth it? Does it even make sense? Do you even give this guy $300 million for a pitcher who never pitched before? Now all of a sudden we've soured on the idea. And I know the money has continually gone up over that time where $200 million, maybe the talk wasn't if he's worth it, and now at three hundred, it's a little bit more relevant and a little bit more worth having that conversation. Especially now with overall money, you could probably get, you definitely could get either Montgomery or Snell and Bader, uh, Hader, excuse me, at the back end of your bullpen. You could do that for sure for less money than Yamamoto. And you might even be able to get both of Snell and Montgomery for less overall money, maybe, probably right around, though. There's a good chance it might only cost you like 10 or 20 more million dollars to get both of them as opposed to Yamamoto. Now, that will be shorter-term deals, so the money in that one year, it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact the Yankees, for example, more to have those two players on the payroll for next year and get Soto than it will be just Yamamoto because the deal is going to be much longer. The money is going to be spread out. It's going to be more money per year to get those two guys, but the overall number, $300 million, whatever, it's going to be sim- similar to get both of those players as opposed to just Yamamoto. And so now all of a sudden, oh, is it really worth it? And then Met fans like Sal... To be fair, and other Met fans I've talked to, suddenly it's now, you know what? F this guy. He's taking forever. I feel like he's taking advantage of the Mets and 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 um, Steve Cohen's money, and he's just using it as a negotiation ploy to go get the money from the Dodgers or the Yankees. So forget it. You know what? We don't need him. And you know what? That's something you could say after he leaves you if you want. But the fact of the matter is you need him. The fact of the matter is you went after him. The fact of the matter is, if you don't get him, it says something about the team, about the owner, and about the way he impacts the team. And whether or not he is some sort of, you know, unfair advantage that the Mets have. You can't claim that anymore. You can't claim he's this, you know, if they want him, they'll get him when you've made it very clear. You flew across the country. You've wined him, dined him in both Japan and Connecticut. You can't tell me after doing all that, and then he leaves you that, hey, when we want someone, we get him. Clearly, you don't. And the Yankees can still say that. The Yankees can just say we were too stupid not to want Harper. They can't, when they want someone, they get him. And the Yankees would lose that a little bit with Soto, I mean, with uh, Yamamoto. But the fact they've already got Soto, the fact that the fan base is already starting to kind of thaw with their bitterness and try and feel better about the way the franchise has gone about business and the idea that I firmly believe they'll pivot because they're all in. I don't know what the Mets do with no Yamamoto. I don't know what the pivot is. If in two weeks the pivot is to go trade for Burns or go trade for Bieber and then sign him to an extension, okay, great pivot. Good job, Mets. Then you know what? Yamamoto wasn't as important as I thought. 
to the actual winning. It still says something about whether or not he can go get whoever he wants, but you've you've just saw you've really helped your pitching without getting Yamamoto. But I don't know if they're going to do that. Not for this year when they could just buy Bieber next year and just buy Burns next year. Same thing with Soto. It's the same thing we heard from the Mets with Soto. Oh, if all it's going to take is Michael King, why wouldn't the Mets be in on it? Because the Mets aren't in the business of trading prospects, especially for someone they can pay for next year. So I don't think they pivot to Burns. I don't think they pivot to Bieber. Who do they pivot to? Snell or Montgomery? Maybe. We'll see. This is the one guy they've determined. And I think for both teams, it's important. More important for the Mets. Because the Yankees still will, if they don't get Yamamoto, it's an easier pivot. But as of right now, the Yankees can still say, we want a judge, we paid him, we got him. We wanted Cole, we went out and got him. We wanted CeCe Sabathia, we went out and got him. We wanted Tanaka, we went out and got him. Everyone they wanted, they have never, It's they really haven't gone after the big name and missed. Eric in the Bronx, what's up, Eric? Hey, how are you? Good, how are you, buddy? Okay, all right. Um, yeah, I'd like to wish you uh, a happy Don't belated do uh, birthday. Oh, God, Eric. Come yeah, no, on. and the reason why. Everyone's going to hate me is, now. No, but, and they can hate me too because my birthday is in December. Mm. I just, it's on the same day as Aaron Rodgers, December 2nd. So ah. I'm wishing myself. So and that's my mother's birthday. birthday. Everyone's born in December. Oh, okay. Well, listen, I, I'm going to uh, play a number, and I think I'll hit. Okay. <laughs> Listen, and, I, and I also talked uh, up the idea. I did. I've been doing these Christmas takes, and one of my Christmas takes was that Christmas. Or if you if you're born around Christmas, your birthday gets swallowed up by the holiday. Like it just it happens. It's yeah, the way well, it is. I'm December nineteenth. I mean, yeah, on my fortieth we had a party. On my thirtieth we had a party. But for the most part, my birthday gets swallowed up. And as a kid, you know, my parents weren't. We weren't. You know, really well off and. You know, you're buying presents for everyone around Christmas time. It's not like, oh, it's like in the middle of June, you really don't have anything else going on. Okay, yeah, we could pay some presents for, for a little chubby Chris. Not not around Christmas time <laughs> when you're buying presents for your nieces, your cousins, your everyone's getting presents. But that's okay because there's Thanksgiving, my birthday, Christmas, and New Year's, so it's all good, man. So it's you all know? it's it it's it's working well for Eric in the Bronx. And I just uh, I just turned sixty five years old. Congratulations! So, uh, yeah, and God enjoy willing. enjoy that so discount at the movie say, theater. What? Enjoy the discount yeah, at the movie um, theater. Yeah, among other things. Among yes, other sir. things, yes, sir. <laughs> and and uh, I just like to say, um, sports and uh, music uh, has kept me sane throughout the years. And I just have a little story to tell. It has to do with uh, the early sixties. Where uh, sure. when I was like five, six years old, uh, I used to sit in front of the TV and sure. watch uh, NFL football, oh. black and white television. And I would uh, have my chewing gum, like spearmint chewing gum. Right. And I would line up the green wrappers against the silver wrappers. And I would watch football <laughs> and play football that way. And also, when I was like five, six years old, Every Saturday morning, the Beatles cartoon used to come on TV. Sure. And, uh, yeah, and so I would be jumping on the bed, using the bed as a trampoline, trying to reach the ceiling while singing Beatles songs uh, every Saturday morning. It was great. I I love it. I love it. I love it. Jumping on the bed, singing the Beatles, playing football with spearmint gum.
I mean, and you guys say, I mean, and you're going to knock this show? Honestly. You guys have been negative. This is Yankee Hot Stove. Does this sound like Yankee Hot Stove to you? We should have saved this for four when Gio was I mean, geez, what are you kidding me? You guys, this is, what? what's better than this? And you're going to make an argument about my age and the Beatles when clearly everybody, everybody loves them. There's nothing in common with those guys. They, you know, they have nothing in common about old stories and black and white televisions in the 1950s. Get out of here. It's a well, it's a well-rounded community, us Beatle fans. You pipe down. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Real quick break. I'll come back with my Christmas take of the day for December twenty first, two thousand twenty three. McMonigle here with the underfan. All right, it's three fifty six in the morning. Kids creep downstairs this early on Christmas Day. But today we creep down and we open up the advent calendar of McMonagall on this Christmas holiday. And a little bit of a take from Chris on December 20th. We open it up, we eat our piece of chocolate, and I give you today. Typically I've been negative. Today I want to give you two positives, and it's just what I like. Two things that always make me think of Christmas for whatever reason. Even though I think one might be associated with a little bit of Thanksgiving as well, and the other one who might have anything to do with Christmas. But two of my personal favorite things to drink at the holiday season. And I personally think one is extremely underrated. And people hate, much like the Beatles, apparently. Eggnog is delicious. And people hate on eggnog. If you, uh, if you throw, if you're in the mood for it, too, if you throw a little bit of Captain Morgan's rum in your eggnog, you will thank me for it. If you're above 21, of course. And if you're not driving. Eggnog, people crap on it, people hate it, it's too thick, it's disgusting. Eggnog is delicious. Now, you have to be careful, you don't want to do it on a full stomach, because it's a coating on top of all the food. You got to be careful about eating too much with eggnog, but eggnog is delicious. And also, I don't remember the brand, but I hate it in regular cartons. Like, if you get it in, like, a a regular plastic or, you know, paper milk carton, it's not as good. You got to get it in the tin that you have to open with, like, the triangle piece of the bottle opener, and you just push it and fold it on both ends. That's the only way to drink eggnog. And then the other one for me is Irish coffee. I love Irish coffee. Just black coffee. You throw a little bit of Irish whiskey in there, and then you just put a little bit of whipped cream right on the top. That is the perfect way to end Christmas Eve night, heading into that morning, having to deal with putting together the bicycles and dealing with everything else you got to deal with once the kids get up in the morning. The kids go down to sleep, you make yourself a nice Irish coffee, set the night off with a little bit Jameson, a little bit of coffee, a little bit of whipped cream on top. Perfect. The perfect way. And you got to do it in the clear glass mugs with the little tiny little handle that you can barely fit your finger in that's how you drink irish coffee and those are two of my favorite treats on christmas and christmas eve particularly that's it now we got tomorrow one last day before christmas and i have one more advent calendar little christmas treat to give you and i think it's the most obvious thing and the worst by far i wanted to give you a little bit of my personal positives and i felt like we've done music and stuff but tomorrow i am going to give you The worst part about Christmas, by far. It's not even close. It is my least favorite thing that happens on Christmas every year. 
As we get ready for the holidays, we get ready for some football, and hopefully we get ready for Yamamoto to sign. 877-337-6666. Your phone call's next in the 4 o'clock hour. Obviously, the Knicks and Mitchell Robinson, as the injury seems to be worse than previously thought. They're looking to get some money back. It sounds like Mitchell Robinson out for the year, even though they beat the Nets last night. Tough news for the Knicks moving forward. How do they overcome it? What's going on with Yamamoto? Aaron Rodgers activated, costing someone a roster spot. How dare he? What a bum. What a miserable bastard. Who would do that to someone like that? I don't understand why people get hot about this stuff. We got plenty to get to. A football game tonight that's actually pretty important inside the NFC. Playoff picture, a lot to get to in the last hour. McMonagle here with you, 877-337-6666. We'll be back after the update right here on The Fan.